1: I'm Miles Danhausen, Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. If you know much about the history of Door County marketing and tourism, or Door County history in general, you probably know about the incredibly influential 1969 article in National Geographic that is credited with attracting waves of tourists to the county. But it wasn't the first time National Geographic pointed its lens at Door County. In 1933, the journalist Maynard Owen Williams set out on a journey of the Great Lakes to document life on its shores. That included a stop in Door County, which earned one photo and a brief mention in the final story. Our guest today is Dustin Renwick, a journalist based in Washington, D.C., whose words and photos have appeared in National Geographic, The Washington Post, Outside Magazine, and most importantly, in Door County Living. Last summer, when he wrote about Williams and some long-lost photos that Renwick discovered in the National Geographic archives, he joins us by phone today. Dustin, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks so much, Miles. Good to be here.
1: So you ended up contacting me after you had done a show at the Miller art museum about some of these photos that you had found. And it ended up that in our conversations, I thought, you know, I love history. And once you told me a little bit about what these photos were about, I was like, this would be a great magazine article. And it's just amazing that you ended up discovering these and just had this interest because these could have sat there and never been seen forever. But there's some of these great door county photos from the 1930s, that's kind of like this little snapshot of a different era here. I want you to kind of tell me about how you discovered these photos and what piqued your interest about them.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll we'll probably get to it a little later, but definitely an interest in Door County from growing up and, and sort of being up there every summer with my parents and, and then my family. So when I started out at National Geographic in 2017, immediately I knew that we had the archives. And I talk about, you know, how there's magic in the archives, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly in this, in this archives where there's 12 million photographs, there's, you know, there's objects and, and all kinds of sort of magical things waiting to be discovered, but you need a good guide. And so Pretty early on, when I started at Nat Geo in 2017, I thought, well, I wonder what there is here, potentially about Dark County. And obviously, the 1969 story came up pretty quickly. You know, okay, so that's that's interesting, but what else is there? Because I know oftentimes, particularly in that era and the eras before it, you would only see a slice of what was actually produced, right? And that's still true today, right? Yeah. Our annual photography issue, where the editors narrow down millions of photographs into one issue. Well, that was also true, you know, decades and decades ago. So, what didn't show up, and and there wasn't a whole lot extra from the 1969 piece, but there was a few other sort of hints of what might be there. And so, I contacted our amazing photo archivist, Sarah Manko. And you know, introduced myself because again, I'm sort of brand new and said, hey, I'm really interested in the archives. I would love to talk with you about what might be there. And so she helped me and was really you know, the master that I was following from and, and guiding me through what could be there. We, we sort of started looking at some of the files and it turns out there was this, this story in the 1934 issue. Uh, Maynard and Owen Williams was in Door County in 1933, making the photographs, interviewing people. That story appeared then in, in the 1934 issue so we have a file with a bunch of they're not negatives. They're actual sort of photographs, but some of them are called discards. So those are the ones that didn't get included. So there was the material there, which is really exciting. And so from there, I thought, okay, well, how much is there? and and Sarah and I kind of collaborated and and she was looking through things, pulling files. And you know there's probably, I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say like, 15, you know, 12 to 15, probably photographs. And obviously the one that made it into that 1934 issue was there along with, again, probably 12 to 15 others. And so I kind of started thinking, what what could we do? How, how could we sort of reveal these to the world? And I think there's such a, a power in journalism of not only telling the stories of communities, but returning those stories to those communities. Mm. And in this In this case, it felt like a really cool path. I knew about the Miller, you know, from, again, going up to George County every summer. felt like that could be a potential intersection point where, hey, could we do a show with some of these photographs? And so it's kind of in like the 2018, you know, it's been about a year doing some of this research. And I, I remember being in the Denver airport. I visited some friends and I thought, okay, well, I've got some time on my hands. I think I have enough information now. I'm just gonna make a cold call. And so I cold called the Miller and said, hi you've never heard of me. I, I work at National Geographic. I would love to talk to you about a show. There are some really amazing archival photographs of Door County. And the person is obviously sort of like, who Who are you? You know, like, <laughs> why are you calling me? So we had some good conversations and that started, kind of started that project. And then at one point, knowing that I'd sort of in my work at Nat Geo, had been introduced to Erica Skog, the photographer that she'd gotten a grant through the grants program that I was sort of running and had, had built there. And was that was what I was doing at Nat Geo was building this grants program for journalists Photographers, audio producers, nonfiction storytellers, generally, and I knew that I, I kind of figured out that Eric had a Door County connection, and so I then contacted her and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And so the show that ended up opening at the Miller was a combination of archival photographs from Nat Geo from the you know 1930s, and then on the lower level, Eric's photographs from a more contemporary, uh, not just Door County, but sort of Swedish American culture mm. around the Upper Midwest. And so this really beautiful pairing of you know old and new, then and now, but the influence of National Geographic, in particular, in Wisconsin and and more specifically Door County. So that eventually, obviously with the pandemic delay, uh, eventually opened, and uh, you know the whole told you're talking about a process of four or five years there.
1: <laughs> that is a lot of sticking with it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and I mean it's. It, As anybody who's worked with museums knows you know there's there's a slow schedule there where they're booking things sometimes years in advance so you're kind of waiting for space you obviously have the printing and and all the preparation for those shows that goes into it sure even with the the COVID delay, still really gratifying to be able to walk into the Miller and be able to see these photographs back in their home community.
1: And, you know, you touched on just a little bit about that, to, to describe it for listeners who are not familiar with like how a publication comes together. You know, you send a photographer out now, you at least have potentially the website to, like you use a couple of photos for a thousand word profile, maybe you have one big photo and maybe a secondary photo, maybe you do a couple more, but you might have 30 extra photos. And a lot of them portray the same thing, but you you know when you're putting it in the layout, you're trying to figure out like, all right, which one has the best light? Which one works with the other layout elements we have in place? Like what is the, is the person looking off the page or toward the article kind of thing? There's all these different aspects that come into it. And really great photos just don't work with a layout, so they're sitting on the side. Or you just don't have space, especially nowadays. So a lot of great images just never see the light of day. Luckily with a website, you can add some, extra stuff online but even then you have stuff that that sits off to the side and with these you know they're could you describe a couple of these photographs and what they depict because there's a couple of aspects about it that are pretty interesting one is that it's in the midst of the, the depression but they are not photos of the depression so to speak
2: exactly yeah so Maynard Williams is is there in it's hard to tell exactly when he's there but based on the little information on the back of the photographs that we have in the archives, you know, they were received in sort of June, July, August. So it looks like he was kind of there in the summer. It appears that he was a little early, uh, or maybe just at the beginning of cherry picking season. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, the short little blurb in the actual article, he talks about you know being able to to sort of buy these cherries. So he, I think he was probably there in you know late June, early July, maybe caught the beginning of cherry picking season that year. So he's kind of there in the summer of 1933. And like you said, the fact that there, any of the, these photos made it, let alone just that one in that 1934 issue, is, is incredible because the article is probably, again, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I want to say it's it's a huge feature article, probably 40 pages long, and it's about the whole Great Lakes, right? He's going mm-hmm. to Duluth, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going all around the Great Lakes. And the fact that he stopped in Door County and it did get that one photo that could kind of show up in a search and then sort of you start pulling on those threads, that's how, you know, I was able to find these and, and working again with Sarah in the archives. But the photos are really interesting. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind specifically is two younger women. They're standing at the railing of what looks like one of the lookout towers, and in fact is one of the lookout towers. It's the, the old Potawatomi observation tower. And that was, again, a really interesting moment because it was in the show. There was almost no caption information. Maynard Noah Williams was, was a really interesting photographer. Kind of one of the legends in that geo, but he wasn't really great at captions uh, he didn't spend <laughs> he, he did not spend enough time certainly nowadays by our current standards, yeah, but even by the standards of the day you know you would just have just a, a brief sort of fleeting caption on the back no name a writer no, and
1: copy editors nightmare
2: <laughs> very much very much so it didn't say, you know, where is this observation tower? But you have these, these two women, they're they're dressed nicely. They're clearly out for a day in the park. But there was enough information visually behind it, just in the proximity of the, the islands. And I had sort of left it unmarked. You know, obviously, one of the observation towers, maybe it's in Peninsula State Park. And someone who had come to one of the events that we did with the show said, hey, I really think that's Potawatomi Tower. Yeah. If you look at sort of the relation of the islands and that's great because that's information that i can take back to sarah and say hey we could actually add some metadata to these photos Mm. in our archive we add we add this extra layer of information so that somebody you know 100 years from now who's looking at it maybe has more information than i had when we started and so it's this beautiful photograph of these two women they're just sort of to be in conversation they're standing at the railing you get a, a really timeless sense of their their period right you can look at their clothes what types of clothes do they have and so that's a, a really cool photograph and there's a few others where
1: well if, if dustin i can interrupt you there like there's a yeah, there's sure. another aspect to that in that that photograph is taken in 1933 Potawatomi tower was built just two years earlier so exactly for my generation here, it's this old tower, but in this photo, you can see like, all right, this is right after they built this. And they built it for the purposes of recreation, for the purposes of observation. It wasn't a fire tower. And it's so great to see this in its own era, in its early days, when it was this brand new thing in the county. And then in this very moment, there's been this controversy about... What's the future of Pottawatomie Tower? The DNR wants to tear it down. So it's, it's kind of just happenstance that we happen to come across this great photo from those very early days of this thing that is now a, a hot button issue. I mean, honestly, just last, we're recording this on Friday the 13th. Last night, Thursday, there was a public meeting where the DNR just unveiled their new plans for Pottawatomie Tower, which we'll see where those go, but they, they are like a $6 million. Helix style ramp to the top kind of thing. So it's uh it's just kind of neat when you come across something in the archives that helps to, in some way, add context and illustration to a current events issue. So just another total sidebar on that. But it, I, I love that photo as well, and that's why we ran that as like the the big front primary image with this article.
2: Yeah, and it's a great point, and and just to add a little bit more of the history there because I know that it was one of the things that I was looking into. You know, it was the first. The first tower, like you said, first in Wisconsin, designed just for recreation. It wasn't built to be a fire lookout. Mm-hmm. And so you have this, this moment capturing this basically brand new tower and people using it, right? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a functional photograph in that sense that people are out there using it. It was a piece of the again reminder that we're this is 1933 we're still in the depression and parks are a way for people to get out and enjoy nature and and do something fun that didn't cost money right and so you see this you see all this all these layers of history in this one photograph, and like you said, there's obviously a lot of local conversations happening right now around that tower. And I don't remember when in the process. I think it was after the Miller show. I sent this to you know the Potomac Group and said, "Hey, I, you know, I know that there's a lot of conversations going on. Just so you know, here's a photograph in case it's useful." So hmm. to be able to add to that conversation even now, it's it's a really cool moment.
1: Yeah, and there and there can't be many photos in existence from you know those first five six years of that tower existing. I haven't come across them so. It's very cool to to stumble across those. You also have photos in here from life in the orchard at that time, and I don't know if you want to describe some of those, how those resonated with you when you were looking through them.
2: Yeah, there's two that that I just I love. The one is a group photo. It's uh, a bunch of young pickers who probably you know came up for the summer. Again, unfortunately, Mayor Doheny Williams left us with no information uh, <laughs> in terms of names, contact. Where are these you know young kids from? Are they locals? Did they come up from Milwaukee or Chicago? You know, we know that based on newspapers, uh, a lot of the newspapers I was reading from that era. Again, in the Depression, so orchards were trying to prioritize local workers, knowing that people were out of jobs. Mm. So it's like it's likely that they were, if not local, at least from the state of Wisconsin versus in later years when you have people coming from all around the country, in some cases, coming up from Mexico and Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, these are probably in-state, as those, those orchards were trying to prioritize local workers and kind of give back, keep that money in the community. And so you have this, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, nine, nine. Quickly here, I think it's 10, 10, and they're all in various, You know, a couple are sitting on the bench, a couple are sort of laying on the ground, and they just look really at ease. Mm-hmm. Which again, to your point, it, you know, you don't get the sense that there's a crushing depression happening right now. These kids look like they're having fun in the summer and obviously doing summer work. But they're just sort of taking this moment underneath this tree and they're in the orchard. There's another series that Maynard Owens is, is closer in where it's actually individual workers. And there's a photo of, again, a younger girl. She's got the cherry bucket. She's on a ladder. And what I realized at some point in visiting the miller. Was it, it looked incredibly similar to a mural that used to be in the old Surgeon Bay High School? Huh. Uh, it was painted in 1942, so about 10 years after Maynard O. Williams had been there, and it was painted by uh, Jesse Tomback Chase. Huh. And it's a set of murals that they pulled off of the walls when they renovated the old high school, and they installed them in the library there in Surgeon Bay. So you can go in the library and they're kind of up as you go in the doors and kind of fade to the left kind of get into where the computers and the main area is and you turn around they're on the they're on the wall up near the ceiling behind you and that painting just so cleanly echoes what you're seeing here hmm. and you know you you wonder what jesse you know the local painter what what her inspiration was and you're seeing the same types of clothes you see the same tripod ladder you see the same bucket Jesse's painting is really nice because hers is in full color, so you get that vibrant red and green of the orchard. Sure. Whereas Maynard Williams, all, all these photographs are in black and white. But that, again, just that, that resonance between what was happening in front of his lens and the kinds of inspiration that local artists were taking even from that era as well. It was a really cool intersectional point. And then again, to have the show in that space where you could see that photograph and walk out back into the library and see that painting.
0: This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee Counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. I love looking at these photos from this era because sort of, you know, I'm I'm born
1: in 1978. Depression was very old news by the time I was (laughs) cognizant. And most of the stories you read about it and pictures you'd see that illustrate the depression in history books and things are, are breadlines are how much people were suffering, the Dust Bowl. But what you don't see is like, obviously people were not sad the entire time. <laughs> you know, they, were, they weren't literally depressed the entire time when the country was struggling. And in this, you see, in the midst of this, people persevere. They find ways to, like you said, to recreate the Potawatomi Tower somebody put some emphasis on spending money on building a recreational tower at a time when the country was in total financial crisis, there couldn't have been a lot of dollars to go around. And, you know, these kids are working in the orchard. People are just finding a way through in the midst of all of that. And especially in Door County, when I've looked in, into the archives too, just to try and see how the depression affected things here. One of the things I wonder is that because we're on this peninsula and At this time, there's still a lot more bartering going on in small towns. When I talk to folks from back in the day, they'll say, yeah, you know, I would, I would do the lumber work on this guy's barn. He would come and do the electric on my house. You just, you'd call it all even at the end of the day, or, you know, some guy would have a cow, somebody else would have meat. And there was a little bit more of that going on. So maybe because, you know, nobody's coming through Door County, you either come here and turn around or you don't come. It's a dead end. So I wonder if there was some degree of like that's baked in self-reliance of the peninsula that made it a little less impacted by the larger macro impact of the great depression. That is a, a theory just from looking at things and talking to a few people, but maybe there's something to that.
2: Yeah. And obviously in the in the absence of money, what the depression couldn't take away was, you know, it sounds cliche, but it can't take away people's spirits, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it couldn't take away their skills. So you could barter, you know, Hey, I know how to do this. I'm a, I'm an artisan, you're a farmer. Can I trade you uh, goods for food? You know, those, those types of interactions and exchanges were certainly more prevalent than like you pointed out. And I'm sure contributed to a sense of self-reliance and in some ways self-worth, right? Like I, I don't have money, but I do still have these skills that I can contribute, whether to my community to help uh, you know, keep my family afloat and to help keep the community afloat. In again, looking at these photos, doing the research for the show, I then had a conversation with one of the editors here at Nat Geo and was sort of telling them about the show and kind of the photos and everything. And he and I were talking about, you know, is there is there an article there? Is there a story there that would maybe resonate even with the wider Nat Geo audience? Obviously, this was targeted to the local audience bringing Nat Geo back there. But is there a story that we could bring from Door County back to a wider Nat Geo audience? And I sort of offhandedly mentioned, you know, I as been looking through the all these old newspapers, I'd sort of read a little bit about Pick Your Own. And it seems like this was an early iteration of Pick Your Own. And he said, you know, that's really interesting. It was around, you know, kind of in the autumn when obviously people are familiar with certainly Pick Your Own apples and pumpkins and things. Uh, He said that, you know, dig into it a little bit. See what's there. And so it's interesting, again, looking from a, a journalism and a nonfiction storytelling lens, I was looking at these photos and and their context in one particular light which was trying to pull together the thread and the narrative that ran through them in the local context to then turn around and say well how can i look at these from a different a different way a different angle and actually look at the story of of pick your own and the history of that and that became uh, a story that i published with national geographic online and we we published it with a few of these archival photos as well so they actually got a a sort of a second or third life Sure. sure what what lifetime we're on for these photos now but um (laughs) To your point about the sort of the self-reliance, farmers were obviously faced with federal quotas. Farm prices were kind of not running out of control, but they were another element of the depression where, you have people people can't buy, there's too much supply. And so farmers kind of banded together, you know, the orchard owners and said, well, how can we, what can we do with this crop that is incredibly perishable? We haven't quite figured out a great way to ship it super widely. And at least from a lot of the research I was doing, I feel pretty confident in saying that Door County was really the epicenter where pick your own farming had its start at a, certainly at a scale. I'm Hmm. sure there were, I found instances in, certainly in California, in the Valley there, you know, Washington, Oregon, places where there was a sort of one-off advertisements for pick your own in earlier years. But in terms of a concentrated industry and certainly the idea of organizing a cooperative, which the orchards did there, this is really the first time that we see pick your own farming at scale. And that did bring tourists that did bring people up to Door County. And for two reasons. Right. They're coming for cheap fruit. You know, this is this is fancy fruit that would be more expensive. But the orchards are saying, hey, if you pick it yourself, we'll only charge you you less. But they also, in coming to Door County, get introduced to places like Pencil State Park and Potawatomi State Park. Mm -hmm. And you have this early, early link between cherries and tourism in Door County, but it was really born out of the Depression era need.
1: Yeah, that is pretty fascinating. And that became one of the big marketing slogans for the peninsula. I mean, to this day, it still is, obviously. I mean, even with the development and one of the concerns maybe going forward is we take for granted that the orchards are there, but more and more we see home developments and higher end luxury homes being built within those orchards. So then you lose sort of the the picturesque acres and acres and acres of just those blossoms in the spring and kind of those doorways to some of our communities being these beautiful agricultural orchards and what, what will happen to those down the road? Because it still remains a part of what people identify Door County with. So that's actually something that a few people have, have brought up here, but you know, you you also in going down that thread maybe is you you found this old T-shirt, this Cherryland, Door County T-shirt that took you down another thread, which you so you ended up getting another little story out of this. Tell us <laughs> kind of how this one happened.
2: Yeah, it was it was definitely in that research and certainly in the research for the National Geographic story about the history of pick-your-own farming that this you know as you said this sort of early industry, the tourism is tied to Cherryland and the idea of cherry orchards and so Cherryland becomes this slogan right it's a it's a marketing slogan and the historical society of wisconsin they have this shirt it was on just a little blurb online and it mentioned a little bit of the context around this shirt and so the shirt is uh it's hard to tell if it's white or kind of a pale yellow you know it might have just yellowed with age but you know it says cherry land in big font it's got just sort of a cluster of cherries below it And the shirt itself actually is in the Ephraim Historical Foundation. So that was nice that the the Wisconsin Historical Society then had that sort of link back. And there was a name mentioned. And I just thought, you know, what are the odds this person is around? And, you know, I don't know when exactly they would have been alive when the, how old they were when the shirt was, you know, kind of in existence. And so I kind of was able to track down the owner of that shirt. And she lives up in Canada now, but her family has long ties to the area and her parents actually had, had bought a house there in Ephraim and, and lived there really the same year that Maynard and Williams. They, they had just moved to Ephraim in 1933. Mm-hmm. And so I emailed her, she emailed me back right away. And we had this really kind of robust email relationship sort of <laughs> back and forth, you know, her telling me about her family stories and me asking more questions. And eventually I said, gosh, this seems like there's enough here to, to maybe have a, a bit of a sidebar to the story that you and I were talking about from Brooke County Living. And yeah, Marilyn, Marilyn Fairdig, she has this really cool story behind this shirt that she can't remember exactly when she got it, but it was, you know, seems to be kind of in the early to mid forties. She thinks that maybe it was bought at Bunda's department store up in Sister Bay, but again, she was pretty young. So she doesn't, you know, she didn't buy it herself, but she sort of talks about how she always remembered it being hers when she would come to that house. And then we started talking about the Cherryland nickname and, the, I'm, I'm guessing that there might be some records that show it earlier, but at least the earliest appearance I could find in the Door County Advocate, which is the newspaper there, the earliest reference in that newspaper is 1914. But you know, I'm guessing it probably precedes that date. But it really starts gaining traction after, after and around that time when Mayor Williams is there, mm. because in ni- in the 1930 census, Door County becomes the leading, you know, county in cherry production in the country. And so it's starting to gain traction. Oh, this is the place where cherries grow really well. You know, you then layer in that, pick your own kind of tourism and cherry land kind of gains, gains a little bit more, not credibility, but certainly recognizable. And again, it goes back to at least 1914, mm. but Cherryland really starts thriving in, you know, kind of post-depression. And then, you know, you have the, the really huge decades for cherry production there in the 40s, 50s, 60s. But this this T-shirt was really just a cool artifact, a cool object. Again, you know, like I say, the the magic of the archives that, you know, someone said, oh, this is a really cool piece of our history. Let's keep it. And so they have Marilyn's T-shirt from when she was a child, you know, at the Ephraim Historical Foundation. And I loved it so much that I actually contacted a <laughs> graphic designer that I'd met. I'd, I'd met, I'd done a talk about the archive just sort of generally, not necessarily National Geographic, but just archives generally and how you interact with them and, And can discover things there for a group called creative mornings. It was, you know, right at the height of the pandemic, everything was virtual and somehow, uh, I think Gemma might have sent me a note today. I, you know, I love to talk. She's based in Milwaukee. So I thought, great. You know, someone with Wisconsin kind of ties and I brought her this and I said, I would really love to redesign this with kind of a more modern logo, but preserve this beautiful, what looks like hand lettered font. And so, uh, she and I worked together and she created this sort of this new version. With Cherryland, that same font, almost in, entirely preserved, but then a little bit more modern cherries <laughs> below it. And so I had that t-shirt printed and then you know wore that to the Miller exhibition and to the events that we had for the public there, which was uh, a really fun, you know, just kind of Easter egg for myself of like, hey, <laughs> this, this shirt that I'm wearing is, is based on a 1940s Door County promotional t-shirt. So
1: that was a very, a very fun project. Yeah. You stopped by the office last summer and you were wearing that shirt. I thought that was great and noticed yeah. it right away. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like when you think of small towns and I remember my father started the, was part of the group that started the Egg Harbor Historical Society like 13, 14 years ago. And I remember like at the time thinking, what does Egg Harbor need a historical society? What do we have that's important and historical? You know, kind of being ignorant. And now I, I so value the, the history of these small towns and putting these threads together. And you think of that with Ephraim, having that foundation that goes back to the fifties and the fact that they still have that shirt was such a cool find. And just that, that it's sitting there preserved. And you know, we can, now we've tied that thread together a little bit and you end up meeting this random person in Canada and, and recreating that shirt. And then we are able to tell that story in Door County Living. It's just, it doesn't work. If somebody isn't thinking to preserve that at some point, which maybe gets a little bit to you, or even the National Geographic holding on to these old photos that they never used and probably have no use for going forward. You know, they're probably not doing a story on Door County in the thirties going forward. So you find those and and we get these other stories and maybe somebody flipping through this magazine. I would love it if one day I get an email and saying, I think that's my mom in that orchard, or I think that's my grandmother or that's my aunt on the tower at Potawatomi State Park. I mean, that would be incredible.
2: To that exact point, that would that would be incredible. And honestly, that was a deep hope of mine with the show and I think is the power of certainly having archives and bringing those stories again back to those communities. And this was a method that I learned from a colleague of mine uh, named Jasmine Kotzey, and he's done a lot of work with our archives. And that is his methodology of hey, can we can we go out into these communities and say, Hey, do you know anybody in these photos? And that was a piece that I included in the show where we said, Hey, if you know anybody, please contact the Miller. But yes, I hope you get an email. I hope I get an email because that's a layer of knowledge that is currently absent from the National Geographic Archives for this mm-hmm. set of photos, and I'm sure for for many more, because the the photographers you know, are long gone. The, the people are long gone. We don't have a good way of recovering that information, except if there are people here who say, "Hey, I have that same photograph." You know, because the photographer gave my family a print, mm-hmm. or "Hey, I have the same photograph from a different angle because someone else from my family was there that day." I would love that. That would be certainly the the kind of epitome of returning those stories and and being able to have someone say, that's my grandmother washing dishes at Peninsula State Park in that one photo. (laughs) Because hopefully we could then take that information again back into the archives and say, we at least have a name for this person or we at least know exactly where this was. And that's a layer of information that isn't there now, but doesn't mean it can't ever be there.
1: There's a, a historian and professor who grew up in Bailey's Harbor, who is now in Madison, Bill Tischler. And he had this archive of photos when he was working with the Wisconsin Sea Grant Institute in 1974 that he traveled around to all the Door County towns and just took photos of the downtowns and the shorelines. And he emailed me one day and said, Hey, I have all these archives. Would you have any interest in these? And I I was like, yes, absolutely. And they're they're all on slides. And I had to go online and trying to find something to convert slides into digital files. And so I learned a new skill there, but it's this great snapshot of the County in that era right before like right as National Geographic, that article, the 1969 article was starting to bring more people up here, but before the development changes had happened before we Sturgeon Bay went from industrial shoreline to kind of a public shoreline. And before, you know, these towns went from maybe a place with a diner or two and a few gas stations in the middle into more of like a public amenity space. So it's really interesting that here's these photos that are just sitting on a shelf for all those years. And they were part of a, kind of scientific project to document Great Lakes towns and because he held on to them and, and connected with us we are able to reproduce those and say hey here's some context for how our community has developed and it's it's helpful in a time when we're having all these conversations in Door County about development and you know what it used to be and maybe our rosy eyed lens on what things used to be like and really have a hey here's what it actually was here's what's good here's what's been bad and you know, so the, some of these discarded photos or hidden photos I mean, bringing them back to life can serve a lot of different purposes.
2: Well, and I know that when, when when you and I talked last summer, when I stopped by, we talked about how Bailey's Harbor has done such a, a nice job of kind of integrating historical photographs into the community landscape where you yes. can just sort of walk down the street and see these little markers that have, hey, this is what this house looked like two generations ago, 100 years ago, whatever it is. In some cases, they have multiples. In some cases, it's just one. But it's really integrated into the landscape where you don't have to work to find history. It's just, it's there. And if you want to engage with it, great. You could keep walking and, and never notice it, but it is there and it's so accessible to anybody who wants to engage with that layer of history in that community. And it's, it's so well done there in Bailey's Harbor.
1: Yeah, I think, and that's that credit goes to Kristen and Caleb Pyle, I think who started doing that. And when it first popped up, I thought, Oh, this is cool that they, you know they have this documentation in front of Nathan Nichols house and then another one would pop up and they'd try to do a couple of year and now you can walk through town like you said and just get at least for me that question always pops up is oh i wonder what this used to be i wonder if this is new or this this kind of looks like an old storefront and the answers are right. there and so if you're curious enough like you said if if you're curious enough to want that information it's right there in front of you and you can get some context for the community that you're either visiting or living in and you you know, if you're visiting it, you can see that this community has some pride in who they were and who they are now. And if you live here, you get that same sense of, oh, here's where we came from. Oh, this used to be that guy's house. Like and maybe you get a little more respect for yourself, I guess that way. Or at least I hope that's my rosy-eyed vision of it. You know, Dustin, you also have a connection to Door County and you, you touched on this a little bit, but like, how do you end up interested in, in finding these Door County photos in the in the National Geographic archives of of all the things that are in the National Geographic archives you go work <laughs> there and you're like I wonder what they got on Door County
2: yeah it's i mean super simple explanation is that you know I'm, i certainly haven't earned native county status by any, by any stretch. <laughs> but um, when my parents, I think it was you know shortly after they had gotten married, they had a recommendation from, I think, one of my mom's co-workers uh, that said, hey, we're looking for a place to go this summer. And that co-worker had recently been to their County. And so my mom and dad came up and they've been coming up every summer. So I've been coming up every summer my entire life. We, we tend to come up for about a week and sometimes it's the same stuff sometimes it's new stuff but almost without fail we've been up there the pandemic put a put a little bit of a break in that travel schedule but almost without fail we've been up there every summer and so when i got to nat geo i thought well i wonder i wonder what there is in here about this place that i feel like is a second home even though it's not
1: technically Well, I'm, I'm glad you stumbled into National Geographic and thought to look for this. And then and thank you so much for then turning this into the article for us and the exhibit at the Miller. This uh, For the listeners, this appeared in our summer 2022 issue of Door County Living Magazine. If you're interested in coming and checking these photos out, we still have copies here at the Peninsula Pulse offices, 8142 Highway 57 uh, in Bailey's Harbor, right next to the marina. So if you want to stop by and, and check these out, please do. I wonder, Dustin, whatever from the exhibit you did at the miller did those photographs those prints end up anywhere or with any museum or anything like that
2: no it was part of the agreement that you know the national geographic society allowed those photos to be used for that very specific case mm. but obviously the the archives are are something we want collectively to be more publicly accessible but in terms of kind of prints and things physical kind of physical prints especially the photographs those are definitely something that the lawyers have a, a say in so <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were they were cleared for that specific use and um, thrilled that it had, you know, I think six or eight week run there at the Miller. And then we we got them cleared for inclusion in the publication for Door County Living. So definitely glad that they're out there. But in terms of the physical, you know, the physical objects, uh, the physical prints, yeah, those were just the one time.
1: All right. Then before I let you go, I should say that uh, you do have a website, DustinRenwick.com, and you do produce a pretty interesting newsletter called Archival Magic, as you've touched on a little bit. Maybe describe for the listeners, if they want to check that out, what are some of those things that you, you write about?
2: Yeah, it's just a super short monthly. Uh, I try to get it out the last day of the month, but sometimes life intervenes and it's day one of the next month. But just sort of interesting stories about or including archives from kind of what I've seen in the in the prior month. And I, I keep it super short. That's mm-hmm. my goal is that you could read it in, in an elevator ride or maybe not at a stoplight because you shouldn't be on your phone <laughs> in the car. But just a really short read because I know there's all kinds of good stories out there in all kinds of different formats. So just a really short 300 words, some interesting links about where there's some really cool stories that involve the archives. And obviously it's January, which means 12 days ago, January 1st. Public Domain Day, so all the amazing material that came out from, we're now into 1927, you know, came out, so that's probably, I'm guessing that maybe the theme of this, this next month is sort of Public Domain Day and all the cool stuff that's down in the public domain, <laughs> but yeah, definitely on the website, and also there. If you're interested in getting yourself a uh, a cherry t shirt, there's a link there too. And shout out to uh, Gemma Ryan was the the designer in Milwaukee who he helped me with that one.
1: Excellent. Well, Dustin, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today and talking through this. I I kind of geek out on this kind of thing, and thanks again for your work on on the story for us. And hopefully, maybe there's some way we can work with you again stumble across each other in in your research
2: yeah i'd absolutely love to and obviously thanks for the opportunity it's always great to connect miles and uh hopefully we'll see you in person next summer
0: thank you so much for listening to the door county pulse podcast if you want to support us at the pulse check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly pulse subscription purchase some incredible door county artwork from pulse artist ryan miller and much more we hope you've enjoyed the door county pulse podcast and we will see you next time